Welcome to Sex and Happiness with Lori Handlers. Amazing sex and intimacy are just around the corner. While Lori puts the finishing touches on her new book, Sex and Happiness Over 60, please enjoy this show. It's one of her favorites from the Sex and Happiness Archives. We're going to be talking today about connecting the cock to the heart. You know, heart-cock connection. And I'm going to be speaking with one of my dear friends, Tyron Mowbray. And we're talking about something that's that I believe Tyron is an expert at. And um, we laugh about it sometimes because I always, <laughs> <laughs> I always say to Tyron that he's my hope for men. So Tyron, welcome to Sex and Happiness. Thanks, Laurie. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Um, it's great to have you. And, you know, I invited you on the show this time uh, now, actually, because of some rants you were going on on Facebook recently that I saw, and they had to do with um, men and vulnerability and still mm-hmm. being a man, like being a man who's able to cry, being a man who's able to say his feelings, being a man who's able to be transparent uh, mm-hmm. about who he is and also still be powerful. So before we talk directly about that, how did you start out? Like, how did you get to be a guy who's like on Facebook and Instagram and sort of traveling the world and knowing about how it is to be powerful, but also how to be vulnerable. Like, did you start out like this? Did your parents raise you like this? <laughs> um, they, tr- they tried. Um, I guess you could say I was lucky in some regard. I had, I had a very uh, loving, emotional mother and I had a very hard determined father and um i guess because of that experience um you know i was i was kind of initiated into strong hard masculinity by my dad you know don't cry get up push hard work hard um yeah you know drink a lot party hard like those those types of things you know my my mom calls my dad peter pan you know he's the man he's the boy that never grew up you know he's 50 something years old now and he's still still does what he did 30 years ago. Um, and my mom is like, uh, she's just this devotional ball of love that just accepts everyone as they are. And, um, you know, I definitely got my mom's heart and I definitely got my dad's balls, I guess you could say. <laughs> and, um, but I, but I was torn, you know, being, having that heart, having that soft, tender heart falling in love very easily when I was young, you know, I used to, plus my walls with I love LF or CK or whoever it was that month or that, that, you know, that um, term at school. And so I always had this big heart where I loved to love and I loved to, to feel special and wanted and, and help other people feel like that. Um, but quite often it was, was, was rejected um, a lot in those uh, early days. And, and yeah, as I matured, I grew up into this more, you know, footy playing, kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it, like footy playing, our beer drinking, drug taking kind of man that just, you know, just did his thing. And, um, yeah, and, you know, and I was celebrated for that at my football clubs and, and my dad always congratulated me when I got really, really drunk uh, or when I said that I drank a lot of alcohol. And, um, you know, it was a big initiation to be able to go to the pub with my dad and his mates. They used to go to the the football and get into fights and it was so to be one of the boys was like 
it was a, it was something I always yearned for, but it never fully felt a hundred percent me, you know. Um, and then at the same time, not like being too soft, being too gentle, uh, like being too emotional, crying when there was a movie on felt really uh, emasculating. Oh, is that, that? I can't remember how to say that word. Anyway, like it felt really like immature and and soft and weak. So I um, was always torn between these two places and my my desire to be a man, you know, be the provider and do this and do that sent me down some very uh, unethical paths. And, mm. you know, I did a lot of bad shit. Um, I sold drugs. I, you know, wrote my car off drink driving three times when I had friends in the car. I used and, you know, emotionally abused women, uh, manipulated them to, you know, get sex and, and then kind of shut them out pretty quickly afterwards. Um, and I just, yeah, it was, I had a really closed heart, you know, and, um, yeah, I was cheated on when I was 16 by my first girlfriend. And so from there, I just kind of shut women out. And yeah, I, was, I worked in construction. I was just played footy, you know, I was just your everyday guy. And then I had my first relationship at 23, like my first real, you know, somewhat long-term relationship. Yeah. And that took me to a depth of intimacy that I hadn't experienced before, you know, this, this actual devotional love to some extent. And it was beautiful. And then, you know, we broke up and we had our issues and stuff. And, and again, I got really heartbroken and uh, she had a new boyfriend a few weeks later. And so I felt betrayed and, and I shut again and I shut harder this time than I did the first time when I was 16. Yeah. And, um, and I was hell bent on revenge, but revenge wasn't, you know, on her. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was just hell bent on women and, I went and worked out in the mines. I drank myself into oblivion. I was going to the gym twice a day and doing all the protein, creatine stuff to get big and strong. And, and, and but my heart was just ignored and shut down and, and completely not allowed space because it was too hard. It hurt too much. Yeah. Loving, loving hurt. That was my association to love someone meant to be hurt. So why would I do that? Um, and yeah, and then it got to a point where I just, I had a, I had a breakdown. I, you know, I, I was, I don't know, having sex with lots of girls on Tinder and, and going out all the time drinking. And I got to a point where I, um, I was masturbating to porn four times a day out in the mines and I, I couldn't get an erection without a woman or pornography. Wow. And I was 27 years old and I kind of realized I was like, this is not okay. Yeah. You know, like this is, this is, this is not normal or, and if it is normal, it shouldn't be, you know, it's not natural. It's not natural to at 27 years old to not be able to get an erection without porn or a woman. Correct. Um, and so, yeah, this kind of kickstarted something in my mind of like, I have to change something because like, what the fuck does this mean for me in 10 years or 20 years? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I started my own journey around my sexuality and I stopped watching porn and um, I stopped masturbating for a little while and that kind of rebooted my system. And and then, yeah, different things happened. Um, I went to Thailand for a friend's wedding and I went, you know, I knew what was going to happen and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go and have my own 11 days there and train, uh, train for Muay Thai and um, do this and do that. And I did that for the first 10 days and then I went to – Koh Samui for the wedding and that 
the rest of my trip turned into a three-week bender with all of my friends. We went to a full moon party. We did all the things that you do in Thailand as a, as a young Australian and international <laughs> like, boy uh, or, or youngster. And, and it got to my, my last day in Thailand. I was there by myself. I was like, right, I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to have some drinks. I'm going to meet some people. It's my last night. Everyone else had left. All my friends had gone. Mm-hmm. And I went down there and I had two drinks. They were really strong because I was like, you know, I've been drinking for three weeks. I need more alcohol because I'm going to, you know, I've built up a tolerance and all that shit, all this ego, macho stuff. And I just got really drunk really quick. And I, and, and this voices started in my head and I started judging everyone down at the beach and I started comparing myself. And, and I was like, I could, it was, it, you know, I was, it was going crazy basically. Mm. And, um, I couldn't get past this point in me that was like, you are miserably unhappy and yet you're still doing the same thing. And, um, so I walked down the beach to a different bar. I was like, oh, I'll change my environment. I'll go to a different bar. I'll just walk straight up to someone the first moment I get there and talk and break this bullshit. And, and I didn't. I got to the next bar and I froze and I, I sat on the couch and I felt like everyone was looking at me and judging me and I was judging them. And yeah. And I basically had a, had a breakdown. I basically just had a, had a mental breakdown. Um, I, you know, I was obviously coming down off of a couple of weeks, uh, bender in Thailand and a, a cocktail of different concoctions. And, um, and I just cried and I, I cried for a day and a half. I cried, cried for the rest of the time that I was in Thailand. Uh, it was like a day and a half. And I just hated my life. I hated me. I hated the man, this so-called man at 27 years old that I was, that I was representing, um, it had, it, it was nothing like I wanted to be. And I knew it from, I knew it, known it for a long time. You know, the friendships that I had, I wanted more from my friendships. I wanted more from this, but I was just seen as Tyre and the party guy or Moby, you know, invite him out for a good time, but you know, don't really ask him for anything because he's not on an emotional level. Um, that will, will meet you. And I knew that I was, but I never showed that to anyone, you know, oh, it just- all I ever. Sh- I just want to say to you, I mean, it sounds like you had, you were, it it sounds like you brought this all to a perfect storm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, just before 28, you know, the Saturn return, if you believe in astrology. You amplified your pain and your Mm. suffering and your bullshit Mm. Mm. just loud enough and, and deep enough and dark enough to like, to kick your butt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I definitely, you know, there were moments when I thought about death and thought about like, what, who would, who would care, you know, who would care if I died right now, you know, like I don't like myself right now. So why the fuck should anyone else like me? Um, you know, I definitely had those thoughts, but I don't know. I just, I never got to, I never got to any action steps, which felt, which I'm, I'm very happy about. Um, but yeah, and, and it, <laughs> thank you. And, and it just turned, it turned, you know, I got to a point, I was like, I need to change something. You know, I, I can't continue doing this. And I went back to the mines and I was walking off the bus and we're all in a big one, you know, 50 people on a bus and you get out of the bus and you'll walk to your, to your little room and you're all like ants in an ant line. And I just stopped. I was like, and three, three guys hit me and I, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, what am I doing here? I hate this job. I hate this environment. Why am I here? And so I rang the boss and I quit and I flew home and, um, and I went back and I moved in with mum and dad for, for a little while. I bought a one way ticket to Europe 
because I knew that I could not survive where I was with the environment that I had. And what I had created for myself was not what I wanted, but I didn't know what I wanted. And I didn't have any points of reference in my life for, for people that had anything that I wanted. Like I had some guys that had some things, but they all represented for me a pretty, pretty immature masculine energy. And there was just, there was no one that really inspired me. And, um, so I just left, I left for 13 months and, you know, did my gap year at 28 years old and learned about myself. Is that when you say gap year, is that the thing that like happens to people who were part of the British Commonwealth at some point? Yeah. So the gap year is uh, usually what a lot of young people do. They finish school and they go, well, they have a gap year. They have a year off to, you know, take a year off of school and, and go and explore the world or explore themselves or, or go work or whatever. And just before they yeah. go and study, but I, I left school and went in. They can go anywhere. And that was the British Commonwealth. At some point they get like, so Australians can go up to England, English go and Canadians and whatever. Everybody like yeah. connected that way. Yeah. I never yeah. knew called it the gap year. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's meant to be the gap between school and university. Okay. So, all right. We're going to, we're going to take a break there because I, I'm just going to say, I mean, your life has taken a drastic turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, definitely. but you know, I, but the point needs to be made here that you wouldn't be able to talk about the things that you do or influence people the way you do had you not been through all that really immature masculine stuff. You know, for all <laughs> intents purposes, when when young men are growing up. Yeah. That they're taught to be the way you were, and you 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 were kind of a master at it. <laughs> it was, I was pretty good at it, that's for sure. Yeah, you yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, like you look like somebody who probably was a party boy, and somebody who you know could get over this way or that, like you know, based on looks or based on how you built your body up, or based on the markings on your body or your haircut. Like, there's a lot of things that somebody could like look at you and go like. Well, look at that dude, you know, and actually that's what I did when I first saw you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw you at the airport mm. in, uh, in the, no in the North Island in New Zealand. And I was like, well, I wonder who this guy is. Very interesting. <laughs> you know, like interesting, like somebody, you know, you want to talk to and go like, what are you up to? Mm. So, um, but I feel like you took a very tremendous turn, and that's what we'll talk about next. Let's not go too much into the history of it, but let's just talk about it a little bit, and then, you know, where you're at now. Like, mm. uh, where did that lead to, and what are you providing now, especially for men? Yeah, so um, basically um, on my journey of self-discovery, you know, I did yoga and meditation, and I got into um consciousness spills and I did retreats and workshops and I started to really explore my edges and, and push my own envelope. You know, I hitchhiked across Europe and I walked across countries and, and I just, I did everything that made me feel uncomfortable. And, um, and I realized on the other side of that, that I don't die, you know, uh, like I, parts of me die, but I don't physically die. And parts of my emotional body die, parts of my stories die. But it, but at the end of the day, I'm actually, well, to be honest, I'm actually fucking <laughs> indestructible. And 
once I moved through certain stories that I had, I was like, well, what else isn't real? And, um, that just led me on a, on a deeper journey. And yeah. And now basically, and, and for me, sexuality was a huge thing, you know, a big thing. I loved having sex with women. I loved having sex. I loved sexuality. I loved, you know, everything to do with connection and intimacy. And that was one of my uh, ways to experience love in that moment uh, of my life. And so I, you know, but I was, like I said, premature ejaculation, porn addiction, erection issues. They were all things that were still a little bit present in my life. And so I went into a journey with that because I feel like it's one of the most deeply rooted causes of anxiety or depression or insecurity in men is is our sexuality. Like, how are we big enough? Oh, do we last long enough? Did she come? Did we, did we create enough space? And does she want to make love to me again? You know, uh, like whatever it is, you know? Um, and in a world where we pretty much get our sex education from porn, uh, it doesn't really teach us about the heart. So we, we run too much animal, too much cock and not enough heart, or we're too scared of our animal because, you know, we're told that the, you know, it's too, too much. And so we play out Mr. Nice Guy in the heart and we actually never stand for anything in the world. And and that has been my journey, you know, like I was running animal all the time and I kind of gave that up for a little while and went into the heart and learned how to expose that, learned how to love deeply and let my like let my walls get broken and shattered and and realize that actually nothing nothing happens. I feel, don't get me wrong, like I feel lots and I cry and I emotionally release and and I express all my feelings, but all that does is actually increase my capacity to love, not just not just others, yes. but, also, but actually myself. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I, yeah. I, you reminded me, I was at some, I think I was at the California Tantra Festival a few years ago, and Gene, uh, who, who we both know, was uh, leading a puja, and he, I sat down with someone, and the question was, if you could tell your younger self anything, mm. what would you tell your younger self? And I looked mm. at my partner and I said, I would tell my younger self not to worry about getting my heart broken over and mm. over and over again, because mm. at this point in my life, my heart is so big. It has capacity for more than I ever imagined. Mm. And I would still do it over and over and over again. Like nothing could stop me. Like it's a blessing. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. totally get it. Yeah, so you got your heart broken. You have a more of a capacity <laughs> to love. Yeah, and and so and you know and so then I started um, and I have this ability, you know, like I was like I said, I was Moby, the the you know, I was the one that always did nudie runs or like you know, it was a bit wild and I always did dumb shit and I always spoke about things that no one would speak about and I did it in the past to to. Um, be seen and be heard, right? To, to be the one, to be the most outrageous. And when I, when I kind of got on the other side of, of a, a large chunk of my journey after a couple of years, I was like, well, what's my offering? What, what do I want to do and what do I want to bring? Um, and I realized that I do have this shamelessness, this sense, this, this ability to talk about things. Uh, you know, I'm not scared to talk about the fact that I had premature ejaculation or that I had erectile issues or that I still have erectile issues at the moment because, um, I've just been coming through some heartbreak. And so, you know, my erections are in, in conjunction with that. So if my heart's not turned on, my cock doesn't get turned on. And I'm mm. not ashamed to talk about that. You know, for me, it's, it's like the more, the less we talk about it, 
the more it goes in the shadow and the more it's in the shadow, the more, the more depression, the more anxiety, the more fear, the more like the less intimacy and the less love we can experience. So, so why would I want to not talk about it? If I know that once I've spoken about it, I can experience a deeper sense of fulfillment, one inside of myself and two with whoever I'm sharing this with. And why would I not want to share that with the whole world? Why would I not want to have intimate encounters with the entire world on different levels, you know? And so that's kind of my mission now. It's just like to make as much noise as I possibly can about all the stuff that no one really wants to talk about and, and create this, you know, we're, we, you and I are in, you know, in a love revolution and in a heart revolution, you know, with, with some of the circles that we're involved in. It's like, but I knew that for years and years, I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. No one, no one I knew was talking about it. So basically I just want to make as, I want to stand on the top of some really big thing and scream really loud and get as much people's attention as I possibly can. And thanks to social media, I have a platform. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Instagram, my Instagram account just got deleted because I do talk about some, some stuff that's confronting and it brings up stuff for people. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm restarting that, but, and I'm trying to get it back anyway, but yeah, I, I now coach men mostly. I mostly, I, I do work with some women, but I mostly coach men around, you know, connecting their cock to their heart. Like how, how do, can you honor this animal part of you that wants to fuck the entire world and wants to ravish and kill and destroy? How can we, how can we tap into that and honor that and, and allow that space to move? Because let's be honest, we all love it. Like I love it when I'm in it. Women that I'm with love it when I'm in it, but yeah. when they feel safe, you know, when it comes from that, when, yeah. when they know that they can say stop at any moment and it's not overriding boundaries, it's not overriding the no that they may feel. So being able to connect to the heart, knowing, knowing that at any moment you're, you're like, you're on the verge of control, like you're in control, but you're kind of what's fun is the part that's being out of control. And you're not going to know that until you play in the two. And that's also the in control of the heart. You know, we try to be in control of the heart so we build barriers around it so we don't feel. But actually removing that and being on the edge of the fear from the heart intimacy of like, holy shit, if I, if I say one more sentence, if I really express this thing that I don't want to express, will they love me? That edge there is also where intimacy is created. So learning to play in the extremes of is for me what creates the wild, phenomenal, chaotic, like inexpressible forms of love that we deep down many, I'm not going to say all, but most of us yearn for because we live in these boring fucking lives where we do the same thing every fucking day for 60 years. And like it's, it's needed, but how do we create the life that we want inside of that? Like how can we create more intimacy, more depth, more passion more fire in this life that we live, you know, repetitively having families and having day jobs. Yeah. I look, I get it. I totally get it. the question is so valid. And when we speak to people and we say, you know, what's missing, it's passion. It's, uh, mm. it's fire. Everything that you just mentioned, passion, mm. fire, being ravished, being in the animal. And then there's the discrepancy, like women, since they, since they watched that movie, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. They read the book, Fifty Shades of Grey, which both were not, in my opinion, not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, but at least it, it, it 
at least it, it gave people a taste for it. You know, it activated, yeah, some new, some new um, desires. Um, but then, ha- and then men are like, I wasn't brought up like that. I yeah. can't do that. I don't yeah. know if I can, I couldn't, you know, I'd be afraid. I, you know, and so everyone's still got this fear, these fears. And like, and it, I, I, for some women, they're like, well, if I tell him this is what I really want, He's not going to love me because he's going to think I'm weird. And mm-hmm. it, and if, and the man, a lot of men are saying to me, well, if I do that to her, what she's asking for, mm-hmm. she's going to be scared and it's going to scare me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. like, so we're living again. I mean, it's just like whatever the paradigm is, people, people start to settle for these really boring lives. And yet they're inside, they're loathing their choices. So, you know, yeah. so you're coaching men and what do you, mm-hmm. I mean, give us a, give me, give us an example of like what you're saying to them. Like what kinds of men come to you? Oh, <laughs> every type of man. So I, I run two programs, one called Shameless Sex God and one called Priests of Phallic Power. Um, Shameless Sex God, Shameless Sex God is on the back burner right now. I just finished running it again. And in that I had, um, they were all Australian. I had an ex-bikey gang member. I had a, uh, uh, a two guys that worked out in the mines. I had an aged care worker. Um, I had uh, what else did I have? I had a guy from the from the BDSM scene in the BDSM and kink uh, field. I had, so there, there's no and I just had some and I had a regular guy just just a, you know works in the office. Um, so it, it's, and this is what I love, you know, um, when I got into coaching, I signed up to a thing and they're like, what's your niche? And I was like, men. And they were like, what's your niche? And I was like, men. <laughs> and it, this is the thing. It's just like, it's it generally older men, to, to be honest, generally men over 35, because they're kind of at a point where they realize that they're, that they've missed something, you know, like they've realized that the education they've had or the awareness that they've been brought up with is, is lacking in some area. And they're finally at a point where they can acknowledge it. They're past their I know everything stage and they're like, actually, I'm humble enough to find out more information around things that I don't know. So it's generally older men, 35, 40 plus, but men, men that have, you know, been sexually abused or men that have been uh, emotionally abused by women and have a very hard time opening up to them because they're afraid that they'll be ridiculed or judged or shamed, you know, um, so yeah. yeah, typically speaking, men men that have some form of I don't like to use the word trauma, but let's say trauma, uh, or or at least really negative experience in relationships or in sex. Yeah. And and they have something there that they, you know, are unaware of. And um yeah, it's it's some of it's very basic, but some of it's quite deep. So, um, you know, like just teaching them how to communicate their feelings and teaching them how to um and, and also what the truth is, you know, I had, I, I worked with one guy and, um, his desire is like, I want to be in an orgy and I want to fuck lots of people and I want to do this. Right. And it's like pretty standard desire. Most men have that desire. It's mm-hmm. something that we all, and probably some women too. And it's like, yeah, I've had that desire for ages. And I was like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to do an action step. What can you do this week to move towards that? And he froze. Yeah. And he went into complete freeze. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, if it's a desire, let's move in towards this desire. Like who go organize it, go find a sex party that you can go to. And he went into complete freeze and shut down. And I've, I've had this exact same experience. I've been in a group environment where 
there was basically an orgy happening and I could not move. I went into complete freeze and shut down like, cause my, let's say inner child or my inner feminine, whatever you want to call it, got scared because yeah. actually my desires were fueled by my fantasies, which were fueled by the, the concept of what makes a man a man. And, um, my, my truth was actually a far cry from that, you know, and it's not to say that I would not enjoy a group sex activity, but there has to be heart for me. There has to be love and heart. It can't just be just like, I can't not know anyone. And, and I'm not shaming anyone where that's okay for them. If that's, that's maybe them getting into their animal more, that's fine. But I'm, I'm not there personally. Yeah. So it's act, it's also peeling. Yeah, it's also peeling away the layers of what we think is real, and to find out what is real. Yeah, exactly. I could know. I mean, I understand. In my in the old days, for me, I could have a one night stand, and it'd be like really hard for me to do that now. Yeah. Just like yeah. not, you know, anonymous kind of one night stand. Yeah, that was good. And can you leave before morning? Yeah. I don't think I could do that anymore. You know, there yeah. has to be some connection. It's something, uh, you know, we know this man, Xavier, and Xavier mm-hmm. said, you know, before I'm going to have sex with anybody, he said, I want to make sure they're going to be in my life in some way. Yeah. He said, they don't have to be my lover, my ongoing partner, my ongoing anything, but I wanted to yeah. make sure there is some loving yeah. connection there. So you're saying yeah. that, and, you know, let me, let's say it again, you know, because... Um, women have a misconception about that when it comes to men. Women think that men could just keep doing it over and over again with no connection. And here you are, a guy who's been a party guy, a guy who's, you know, been all the things that guys are brought up to be. And you're saying, no, if it's no heart, I'm not interested in it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. For, I, thanks for saying it. Yeah, and I went through a lot of shame acknowledging that. And I still feel it now sometimes, you know, being with a beautiful woman who, you know, wants to take things further and I need to say no. I need to say, like, I'm sorry, I'm a no right now. I can't, I don't want to do this. Like, there's still a part of me, especially Tyra Mowbray, the shameless sex god, the whatever, like, fucking label that people give me. It's like, but that's the shame part. The shame is not the part where it's like, I can fuck all day and I can do this and I will lick your ass and I like anal and all that stuff. That's not the shame. There's shame there. Don't get me wrong. You know, a lot of men have a lot of stuff around their asshole and, and anal play. But, but the deep, for me, the deep shame, the, the, the stuff that is really, really hard to acknowledge is the tender softness of a man's heart that he is too afraid to acknowledge because that is death. That, that, that is emotional death. That is heartbreak. That is, that is pain beyond anything he can handle. He can handle physical pain, but yeah. he can't handle emotional pain. And so yeah. no way I'm not going there. Well, I so admire you. I so acknowledge you. I so, um, I, I, you know, I applaud what you're saying and it needs to be said. It needs to be heard in the world. So one of the programs is Shameless Sex God, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said you put that on the back burner for a little while, but once people hear of it on this show and some other social media <laughs> that you're going to get, you know, you may have to bring it out again. Yeah. Uh, what's the other one? Priests of Phallic Power. Okay, and talk a little bit about that one. So that is a six-month mentorship Um so, so what I found was by offering Shameless Sex God, which is like a 10-week thing, it's a lot of information. It's a lot of uh, content. 
And it's a lot for, for the men to absorb when it's pretty, a lot of it is pretty new for them. So what I did was I, um, I created a mentorship, a six month thing. And actually, have you had Janine on the show? You know, Janine, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So she has a womb apprenticeship, right? And it's the moment I heard of it, I was like, what's the equivalent for men? Why do women get a nine month womb apprenticeship? What do men get? You know, I'm, I'm very much about equality. And, um, and so it took 18 months, but finally this priest of phallic power came through and it's like, it's exactly what I said at the start. It's connecting men to the power of their cock and their animal and their beast and their warrior and all the parts that are associated with this more, let's say dark masculine, but also learning that when that's connected to the heart and we can open the heart, that's when, that's when we live a life of sex and happiness and, and passion and devotion and, nurture nurturing and nourishment it's like because one without the other it's 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 flat yeah it's just it's polarized it's stuck in one side so and i thought about it you know i was like well how long did it take me to overcome premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction or porn addiction or anything like so it took more than three weeks it took more than one month you know it was it was a journey it took time and the thing that took the longest was I didn't have anyone supporting me. I was trying to do all on my own. I was too scared to talk to anyone. So it's, it's six months because if you, if you're serious about changing and you really want to like evolve and learn stuff, it takes time. And, and so what it does is it gives you six months of integration, six months of practicing something all the time to put it in your everyday life, to see how that feels for you. And if you want to change something, you can. And if you want to keep going, something you can. Because change takes time. If, you've, if you're 40 years old, you've been conditioned to think and feel and, and respond to your environment for 40 years. So it's going to take a little bit of time to, to reshift some of that. Not only takes one key experience, but the integration process after that is gradual, you know. So basically, each man gets one exercise a week. You know, it's done in a group environment. So we're all there supporting each other, sharing, growing, learning on a Facebook group. And you get, we, I give one exercise a week and you just get to do that exercise a week and see what, what comes up for you. What happens? How do you, what's your experience? How do you learn from it? Do you not want to do it? Like what's your resistance? Whatever it is. And, and then you share that in the group, you know, you do a Facebook live, so you have to be seen and be heard and, and all the things that scare us as men talking about weird stuff that we don't normally communicate about. And, and that's it. And so it's one exercise a week. And then every month we have a video call where we all get together and we, I, I facilitate some, some exp, uh, experiences and some practices in front of each other to be witnessed, to be the witnesser, mm-hmm. um, again, to practice communicating and stuff. And, and it's, yeah, it's six months long and it's, so it's a mentorship. It's very much your own personal journey in a group environment. Yeah. Yeah. And when we do, we do tantric practices, Taoistic practices, some weird shit that I made up because I think it works. Um, we do, you know, so, some, some embodiment stuff we do. Uh, yeah, lots of different things. Sounds wonderful. Sounds really, really wonderful. And, um, you know, I, to, to say, you know how excited I am about it. I can't tell you. I mean, when I I saw you, it, it's about a year and a half ago in uh, Glastonbury, England, and I said, you, you know, you're the hope. I'm you're my hope. Man. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I don't know about that. But you are there's there this authenticity that you have, and there's a daring. 
And so the daring to be all that and then to say, to have other people, to dare them to show up, mm. you know, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Yeah. It takes balls. So, yeah, so how do well, they touch with you? How do they find you? Um, so right, yeah, I mean, right now, Facebook, uh, Tyron Mowbray, um, is, it's, uh, I have a Facebook page. Um, yeah, Tyron Mowbray, it's where I do my Facebook lives and my content and everything. So check that out. Instagram. Yeah. So trying to reactivate my deactivated account. That one's called shameless sex God, but it's deactivated. So you can't find it. Um, otherwise, yeah. Priest of phallic power. That's my new one. Um, yeah, it's very, it's only three days old. So, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to, you know, I'm going to get it back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to build it up again, but the content's the same, you know, like I've obviously it's a death, you know, it's another death. It's like, well, that was my identity. I was the shameless sex God or I was the, that Instagram account. It's like, well, I'm trying to get it back, but at the same time, am I going to let that stop me from continually doing my thing? And the answer is no. So yeah. Um, so they're, they're my two ways or you can contact at tyramobray.com, send me an email. Um, I do, Get, I do get a lot of messages at the moment, but so it may take a little while to respond, but yeah, feel free to get in contact. I do work with women. I'm in the process actually of creating a mixed event, like a mixed online program where men and women get the same exercise and then we share about, you know, our experiences because, you know, it's all steps, right? We need, men need to learn to communicate, women need to communicate, but we also need to learn to communicate to each other. And, and you know, so I'm in the middle of creating this uh, mixed online program, which I think is going to be epic and uh, very confronting because, yeah, there will be people of both genders in there and, yeah. and obviously non-binary, gay. You know, I have quite a few gay men reach out as well, actually. So it's, yeah. not, it's not only for women and men that are attracted to the opposite. You know, it's very much sexual. This is what I love about bisexual, homosexual, pansexual, asexual, heterosexual. The common denominator is sexual. They're all sexual beings. <laughs> so regardless of what you identify as or what your preference is, um, except maybe asexual because you don't like sex. But um, other than that, yeah, like it's, it's it, it, this information, this education is for absolutely everyone of any age, any gender, any sexuality, any religious belief. Um, Good. Yeah. All right. I want to spell your name because – you have you have an Oz accent, and so maybe yeah. they got it, and maybe they didn't. So I'm going to spell it in my uh, New York American accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're you're uh, going to at tyronmowbray.com, it's uh, T Y R A N Tyron Mowbray M O W B R A Y. Then find yeah. under that name. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you so, should find him, everybody. So you know, you should. If you, if you listen to this show and it piqued your curiosity, it turned you on because there's um, there's a man who you know was like the Marlboro man, and now and then <laughs> turned into somebody who could be vulnerable. Then you should look him up. And if 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 not for you, you have friends that it is for. And so please do tell them and have them listen again and and see if if it turns them on because uh, there's there's definitely something here that tyron has that that i want you to have so mm. yeah so tyron thanks so much for being my guest today on sex and happiness absolute pleasure laurie i'm really glad that i was able to jump on and share something and uh, thanks for having me thank you everyone for listening 
and um, enjoy your sex and happiness. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.